Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. All right, let's talk some soccer. I'm here with Matt Doyle. MLSsoccer.com. I'm Tom Bogan. Thank you all for joining. So, very busy day, very busy night. Um, last night, I was hanging out, and I, I, God forbid, tried to unplug just a little bit, you know, 7 p.m. after, you know, regular day of work. Let me turn off my phone or let me not look at my phone and, you know, maybe pay attention to the people in my life who don't necessarily care much about MLS soccer. Um, I wake up this morning, try, try to have a coffee without looking at my phone. Uh, I get home, and... I open Twitter and Gagla Sonina is in a Pol- uh, Poland jersey. Uh, Hernan Lasada has been fired. Carlos Vela signed an extension, and uh, that's how it goes, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just a typical Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, and that's not to mention all of the Open Cup action, the craziness, the crew being knocked out, all of that. Um, I think the biggest news, though, and there's a lot to choose from. For me, it, it's the the Hernan Lasada being fired by DC United, first reported by Pablo Mara at the Athletic. It, it was kind of hit me as a bombshell because Doyle. It felt like. I don't know, two months ago, they were still parading him around. The club were still parading Hernan Lozada around as this huge success. Look at how great he is. Look, look at our boy. Look at our baby, our beautiful baby boy, and all of this <laughs> forward-thinking soccer. And two months later, he's gone. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, – I didn't expect this. Like, D- D.C. have not been good this year. They've been really quite bad so far this season, and they were really quite bad um, at the end of last season as well. Because remember, around, like, you know – mid-September, they were, like, well in the playoff picture. Um, and they had a stretch of games coming up that were all, like, pure six-pointers. And, you know, that's what October was made of. And they lost the first four of those. And, like, even though they, they ended up, you know, rallying back for for two wins near the end of the year and just missed the playoffs, that is actually, like, they, they like their playoff fate was kind of sealed before those yeah. last two wins and made it look closer than it actually was because they just like in the biggest games of the year, they had nothing in the tank. Uh, Lasada didn't really have any ideas besides maximum overdrive mm-hmm. and um, they limped to the finish. It was eerily reminiscent of Matias Almeida's first year, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then Matias Almeida's second year, instead of building on that, he, he, kind of screwed around with the personnel and everything that got off to this miserable start. And then of course that was the first COVID season. So um, everything kind of, you know, went off track, but like they were kept playing catch up from that point in time. And um, we know how that story eventually ended. And like, that's kind of what we're seeing with, with DC United in in year two of Hernan Lasada. The underlying numbers have generally liked what Lasada has done a little bit more than Mm. what they liked from Almeida. But um, you know, those, those underlying numbers, over the past, I, I want to say about 15 games or so, have still have, they've started to sour on Lasada as well. And, and what it comes down to, I think, is that with the style of play he wants, you have to get 100% buy-in from the players. You you just you have to. And if you start losing that, um, then it like if 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 you only get 95% buy-in, you lose much more than five percent. Um, and like we, we saw that with Jesse Marsh in, in Leipzig and it's why Jesse walked away from that. He was like, I I can't like, if if I can't do it with this group, if this group doesn't want to do this, I can't make them do that. And it'll be wrong for me. and It'll be wrong for the team. And it's like insane to see a, a manager walk away from a job and be that honest about it. But that's what happens with this type of soccer. And I think that the, the folks in the DC front office saw the writing on the wall saw the terrible results. I think they're like four, 10 and one in their past 15 games or mm. something like that. Um, including again, the most important games of last season uh, and, and said, let's pull the plug on this before we lose this season, because right now it feels like it's going nowhere fast. 
Yeah, I think that's all fair. My pushback would be, I was never that high on this team. I, I mean, I, I was with the Quakes, and I know we're drawing parallels because there are parallels to be made between these two teams. But it, all this kind of, you know, for lack of a better analogy, it, it all seemed like a bit like that. That winning streak, that was nice at the end of last season. But like, if your whole, you know, tactical empire is built upon, we're gonna be more fit and try harder than other teams. Like, do you, do we think that other teams in the league aren't fit or other teams aren't trying as hard? So I, I feel like you can. You can grind out some results, but that is just an awfully taxing way to play. Players don't want to play like that. No. From talking talking around, like one phrase that was like, I, I don't think that it's possible to run more at training. <laughs> under Lissada. Like that these things great on players. They're like you've you've talked about it too with Paul Ariola. He didn't really want to be there anymore. Like it was part of the part of the contract stuff, it was part of the other offers that the other situations looked better. And he's in a better situation in Dallas in terms of play style. Club America probably would have been better. Like these players don't want to play like this, particularly veteran players. And, and that's a good point with Jesse March. It was the same thing that he had in Montreal. He, he walked away from the Montreal job too because he had more veterans on that team that didn't really want to play like that. And, and I don't know. I, I think that there's no coincidence that this team burnt out last year. Yep. I'm just not sure if this is a viable way to play in you know, a league with so much travel and a league with so much parity. Like, you're going to get some nights where you have you know, half a step on you know, another tired team. But if you keep trotting out the same 11 or the same 14 guys or whatever, it's going to be with all the injuries. There's no there's no coincidence that you have a lot of, you know, soft muscle injuries or, or whatever the medical terms would be. I don't know. I think that I'm still like really surprised that they did it this early. But I don't know. I never looked at this team co- even coming into this year with with the momentum they had and think like, oh, like that's going to be a really good team. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with that. Like I, I wrote, I think, this this offseason that like if, if D.C., you know, doesn't do something major this winter, then they'll look back at this as we had a chance to sort of remake the team and drive this project forward and we let it slip by. And that's certainly what it is. Mm -hmm. But like in retrospect and given the stuff that we've seen Pablo report for the athletic, and I think Stephen Mm -hmm. Goff has reported it for Washington post, like maybe the front office wasn't, so enamored of the idea of <laughs> giving anything and before before we let this go too far um and 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 people sort of dismiss that criticism that we both sort of lobbed at Lasada. um this type of burnout is exactly what happened to him in in, in belgium with Be- mm-hmm. with beer shot mm-hmm. i'm looking at the results page now they uh went no wins five losses and two draws in their last seven games uh, before he, you know, left and, and, and came to DC. And like, that was a team that was, you know, in a good spot in, in that particular league. uh, And then they burned out and they were no longer in a good spot. And like this, this pattern has repeated now. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I, there is frustration out there um, among DC fans because it's the same stuff as with the quakes, right? They just don't have the the same resources that other, that other uh, teams get. Sure. And like, that's a legit gripe as far as I'm concerned, but at the same, like that, that doesn't, Edson Flores in that team, Michael Estrada, they they spent another 400,000 to get taxi bounces now, instead of in two and a half months. Like, that's a non insignificant transfer fee to again two months or, or eight weeks yeah. for to put to push up a player. Like they again, I don't I don't know that they necessarily like they absolutely could have done better in terms and quicker in terms of reinforcements, but I, I think that, you know, Almeida had a bigger gripe with the Quakes than Lazada did with DC. And he was even more public if that was possible this offseason <laughs> than Almeida was. And I remember I was talking to another front office exec from from a Western conference team and they they that was the person who sent me the first quote when he was like yeah, like we don't we don't pay for players like that or, or whatever his kind of first little outburst was. And this was when things were going well. So I guess he felt like he had like ground to stand on in in terms of cachet with the fan base in the club. And that that was whatever, October, September. And I the text I got from from someone in the front well, from another front office was this can't last, right? Like he he's gotta be fired soon, right? And I was like, What what do you mean? Like they're playing well? Like I, I don't necessarily agree with, with everything, but they're getting results. Like things are as good for DC as they've been since that half year with Wayne Rooney and Lucho Costa. And they were like, nah, like, I don't think coming out and, and uh, screaming about your ownership and, and your bosses is particularly a good long-term tactic. 
I, I will I will not disagree with that. But the the over and that's like part of the overall point I I just wanted to make. Like, yeah, he he definitely could have had um, more support in terms of adding pieces and budget. Uh, but at the same time, we see good coaches around the league do more with less or at least yeah. as much budget. And it, it's like it unquestionably is just it started going in the wrong direction for this DC team under Lasada about 15 years ago. So I like I, I get it, man. I get it. Like make the move if you don't think it's going to work. Where would you go from here in terms of top candidates? And, and obviously this is just kind of off, off, off the top of your head and then you don't know the full coaching search, but where would you be looking? Yeah, I mean, well, it's, it's been reported that Chad Ashton's going to get the gig yeah. for the rest of the year as an, in an interim basis, which is, you know, a little disappointing, but fine. Um, the one who makes the most sense is is uh, Hugo Perez. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, you know, for those of you who, who don't know, which I, I can't imagine there's a lot of you who don't know, but whatever. Um, he's the, the manager of El Salvador. He guided them through World Cup qualifying. Obviously, they did not make it, uh, but they played beautiful soccer. Uh, along the way, he has revitalized that national team program. Hugo is uh, Salvadorian-born American. He played for the U.S. at the 1990 and 94 World Cups, um, and he was a you know well-regarded youth coach here uh, for the for the U.S. youth national team uh, middle of last decade before you know for some mm. still you know sort of obscure reasons. Uh, there was a falling out. So it's like, and he is the one that I want. And on top of all that, like the largest Salvadorian population in the world outside of El Salvador is around Washington, D.C. <laughs> so it just, it just checks, makes sense. Yeah, it checks so many boxes, but like it sounds like we're eight months away from knowing yeah. anything besides Chad Ashton is the interim. That's it. And and and, and like to, just to one more piggyback off what Hugo Perez. Um, I, I think I reported during World Cup qualifying cycle um, that he's definitely he's very interested in managing an MLS. I, I think that he should get a chance. Well, like oddly, like I, I oddly in terms of timing, I do believe that San Jose and DC United are places that would make sense for him. And then you just brought up all the reasons why for DC United. I would add with both of those places. Um, he, he's really, really well regarded in terms of youth development. And again, if your teams that hey necessarily aren't spending atop the league, you're, you're not. You know, again, uh, DC did uh, pay pretty substantially for Edson Flores, but you need youth development. You need to be able to get the most out of what you have. And, and Hugo Perez is, is again theoretically somebody who would fit that, fill that void. But as you say, there are a lot of other options. Luchi Gonzalez obviously is, is going to be one of the first things yep. thrown out. Again, I, I know San Jose really love him and really want him. But, you know, same thing with, with as DC's keeping an interim for the rest of the season. That's probably what San Jose will do if they want to wait for Lucci or, or wait for the chance for Lucci because why would he leave before the World Cup? Some other guys like Freddie Juarez in, in Seattle. Um, and a couple others, you know, uh, the athletic kind of stage school throughout the idea of maybe Chris Armis when his um, assistant uh, role with Manchester United is done in the summer. So we'll see because they did interview him and they tried to sign him or they tried to appoint him before Lozada, but they – couldn't agree on a contract because I think contract years where it was the problem that Armas kind of just declined and then he ended up going to Toronto. So anyway, there's there's enough a uh, little bit of decent smoke there. Moving on to you know another big piece of news. Again, I, I log on to Twitter today after again they're not being on for four waking hours last night, and all of a sudden I see a bunch of pictures of Gaga Sonina in a Poland jersey wearing with with the number one with, with the head coach. Uh, Poland continued to step up their chase with Gaga Sonina. Um, this is going to be difficult to be you know nuanced about just in the sense that if you're an uncapped player, even if he's necessary, like I'm not saying this is true or, or false, even if he's 100% committed to the United States, if you're an uncapped player at 17 years old, you have to take that meeting with oh, yeah. the Polish national team. There is no reason to burn a bridge or, or say like, you know, putting all my eggs in this. Like the person who did that in, in this last cycle was Gio Reyna. And that's because he was one of regarded as one of the very best talents in Europe and in the world at the time. And his father with the United States national team, there was, there was a different situation. So again, this doesn't necessarily mean he's going to Poland, but it doesn't mean that he's not. The Polish manager is part of the full court press, is doing this very publicly. He's giving interviews where he says, I know that the United States want him to, but we feel very good about where it's headed for us. Um, and I reported this morning that, you know, no big surprise, Poland are going to call him up for the next window in June for their Nations League games. He, uh, to the best of my knowledge, has not made a decision which way to go. It is his choice whether or not he's going to join the Polish camp in June. 
so where where are you on this? Are you DEFCON 1, dual national panic? Yeah, I mean, because Poland's a good situation. This kid is, is obviously a legitimate talent. I, um, and I think if you look at both groups, like, Lucas Fabianski's 32. That's not old for goalkeepers. That's still in the goalkeeper's prime. But I don't know. You, you could, if you're Gaga Sonina, you could, you know, stripping away all of the, you know, romantic feelings about if he feels more American or, or more Polish or, or whatever it is, all of those things that are, that are really real in terms of just looking at it from soccer perspectives. You could make an argument for yourself that you could be the starting goalkeeper, be the one of these nations. So I don't know. I, I think that it's it's like all these things. It's not a straightforward decision. And and again, if I was the United States, yeah, as as an American fan, I guess no hiding that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd be worried. Yeah, I I, I get that. I, I don't think that's. I don't think I'm there yet, though. I I think that this goes back to what you were saying at the start, which is that you you take this meeting. You, you, you listen to this pitch um, if you're in this spot and Slonina is lucky enough to be in the spot. Um, I, I just like I, Greg Berhalter hasn't lost many battles for dual nationals that he's, he's really put his back into. Um, that's one. Yeah. And two is that Poland's known about Slonina for, for years and, and that's good. That's good scouting on their part. Um, but like Sloney has been part of the U S national team for years, right? Like, like yeah. he has already been called up to multiple camps for the U S he, you know, he is going to be the starting goalkeeper for the U S U twenties. If Chicago release him, which by the way, if I were Chicago, I would not, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like, like there's not like, it's not like the U S has not done due diligence yeah. here and laid groundwork like that that has act, that has taken place in spades since the time the kid was 13 years old maybe even before that i don't, I don't know what it was like in 2018 um so like do i hope he picks the u.s 100 um am i worried about it not really because if he picks poland now like what what more could have been done Right. We've, we've played this game in the past where, you know, the previous managers have promised guys spots in the World Cup squad if they, if you know, if they switch allegiances. And, like, how's Julian Green doing these days? He's, I mean, he's a Bundesliga player, so great, obviously. Um, and, like, that does not work out for building the team's culture. It doesn't, I don't think it works out for the player either. Um, I so, I and like... I don't know, man. I, I don't see a reason to, to panic on this um, until I see a reason to panic on this. And, and we're just not – like, we're not there yet with this kid. Like, Poland – like, we, we've known for four years that Poland was going to do this if, if he was developed correctly. And credit to the fire for developing correctly. So, it's like, here, here it is. Like, I doubt Greg Merhalter and Ernie Stewart and Brian McBride are at all surprised by this. Um, I'm sure that they have some sort of plan in place. And in the past, when I've said that about USSF, I, that has, you know, I have ended up looking pretty stupid for assuming that they had a plan in place. But like, this has really been a new era. They've done, yeah. they've had their ducks in a row with this. So like, I'm just, uh, I'm still, I'm at, at like a DEFCON 4. This is, this is one of the things that I think that this coaching staff and this uh, general manager, you know, Ernie Stewart, then to um, Brian McBride and, and again, Berhalter and the staff, I think they've been phenomenal with dual nationals and, Part of it, too, is that they've been pretty open and they, they treat these kids, most of the time they're younger players, obviously, they treat them like adults. Like the, the culture has always been, look, like if you want to experience another federation, if, if another federation calls you, and again, if you're a dual national and you feel strongly that your home is both here and there, we're not going to hold it against you if you want to go. Like if you want to try, like Julian Araujo is somebody who, again, got to experience both, Ever Alvarez experienced both before they both chose Mexico. Uh, Ricardo Pepe was pulled by Mexico. Um and he ended up choosing the United States. Like, again, I think that they've done really good here. Um, I've seen, you know, some people in, in the mentions and the replies to my tweet about Poland looking to call him up, and it's kind of up to his decision. There was, you know, a few people that, that were saying, you know, oh, my God, like, how could how could USSF, like, mess this up? Like, why didn't they – and, like, other people are like, well, which, which game would you have capped him in? Like, which one would, would he have been playing? You know, he's 17 years old. They've done, they've done everything. But I do think that there's a difference between – the United States doing everything and, and again, uh, process over results. Like they've been really good with dual nationals, but my worry is that you can still do everything right. 
and the player can leave, like Julian Arau did. I, I think that the United States did everything great. He tried to bring him into the Gold Cup, and, and he ended up just going to Mexico. Uh, Efra Alvarez was probably the last one where people said that they didn't do everything right because he was either left off a squad or I forget the you know exact details. But in terms of in recent history, un- under the Burhalter regime, under the Brian McBride as GM, I think that they've really done a- a- enough. But again, I was... I was worried about Ricardo Pepe before he chose the, the United States, and that wasn't to suggest that the United States didn't do everything they could. But the bottom line is he could still just pick the other country. So I think that's where my worry is, not in terms of they should have done more, but in terms of, yeah, he could still pick Poland. I mean, yeah. And, and I think that is, that, that is legit to be concerned about. Um, but I don't, I don't – like, I'm, still, I'm pretty confident in, in how this is going to turn out for the U.S., um, for all the reasons listed, uh, and the other thing I'm, I'm confident about is our the U.S.'s ability to like look if, if the worst happens and, and Slovenia decides that his heart's with Poland, um, I'm confident in the U.S.'s ability to turn to turn out another high level young goalkeeper. So and hold on, not not even just the United States, but Chicago Fire have Chris Brady, a 19 year old who right. Slovenia doesn't doesn't go to the U20s if if Chicago don't release him. They'll probably release Brady, and Brady will be the starting keeper. Like, they had produced Damian Loss a couple years ago, who we thought of as this Gaga Sunina-level prospect who went to Fulham, and now he's back in MLS. He hasn't quite developed. But, like, that's that's right off the bat. That's three goalkeepers just in Chicago, let alone the rest of the country. So, I, I think, as you say, um, and, and I think that they're in a fine spot with Matt Turner, uh, presumably as a starter. Uh, I know Zach Steppen has become very polarized lately. But in, in terms of, I think that there are a number of options. You'd prefer to have Sunina, um, and he, you know, projects to be the best of all these. But, again, like... Chris Brady was – there was a bid for Club Rouge, and he hasn't played a minute of MLS play. And he's behind – you know, he's overshadowed theoretically by the 17-year-old rising star. That again, He's a elite-level prospect that teams in Europe are, are trying to sign. So, I, again, I think that's a good point that thing, things are going to be all right, even if not just for the United States, but for Chicago producing goalies. So you, hear to, you heard it here first from Tom Bogert, folks. Tom would bring Gaga Slonina <laughs> – to the World Cup just to make sure he doesn't switch to Poland. They heard it here. Write your headlines. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so the, the other big, again, all these things would be the number one story that we could talk for 40 minutes about if they all happened on different days, but they came within 16 hours. Last night, Doug McIntyre, Fox Sports, reported that LAFC and Carlos Vela were finalizing an extension. Today, I'm, I'm able to say multiple sources have, have confirmed that, uh, added that, that it, it deals agreed. And I don't know about it, for guaranteed years, it is at least through the 2023 season. I don't have 100% on what, you know, the either triggers or what the options years are or, or if there are more guaranteed years. But I know for, for certain that this deal will be through 2023, at least in terms of guaranteed years, ending the speculation of if he's going to go back to Spain or <laughs> wildly, is he going to sit out five months in MLS and sign with Miami as a free agent in the winter. Which, <laughs> if any, if any high level player in MLS is going to do that, it, it might be Carlos Bella. So that would have been uh, spectacular. I yeah, right. I think that this is the best resolution for all parties. You know, he's been the face of this club since their first game, since before the first game. He's been everything they could have hoped for and more, save for a couple injury riddled seasons. But you know, he's he's back. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Seven games Wait a minute. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. What, what more do you want? Save for a couple injury riddled seasons. How since his MVP you, you, since his MVP year, what percentage of games for LAFC has Carlos Vela started? Like 25, 30? Yeah, around there. It's, I think it's a little high. I think it's like thirty-three percent. He's he's started one out of three games over the past two years. He is thirty-three years old. This is gonna lock him up well into his mid-thirties, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um Man, I like. I would have a tough time with this one if I if I were John Thorrington. The yeah, I don't think this is a no brainer, and I've written as much a couple of times yeah, this yeah. year. I think if if you could get him as a, as a Tam deal, then it's a no brainer. Um, well, that's but not that's not really. Like, I, I think that's a non starter. Okay, so I don't think this is a no brainer. The thing that gives them a little bit of leeway here. To say, you know what, screw it. it. It's if he can only play one of three games, but he plays all our playoff games. It's worth it to us. The thing that makes it that makes that okay for LAFC is they have a DP slot open, and they're top the supporter shield anyway. 
And this despite the fact that they're missing one of their two starting center backs, because I think Segura slots right in for Maria yeah. when he comes back. Um, and despite the fact that they've had a bunch of injuries to deal with already this year, they're playing maybe the best ball in the league. They have an actual match winner goalkeeper, which they've never had before. So I think that LAFC is almost uniquely situated to take what is actually kind of a big risk to bet that Carlos Vela is going to be able to bring them or to give them something over the next 18 to 30 months. Um, but it's, it's like, it is still a risk because if they sure. go to the playoffs and they are once again, one piece short because Vela's hurt or he, he doesn't show up. And we know that that's been a, a habit of his in big games from time to time. Um, like there will be, there will be some genuine questions that they have to genuinely answer here, I think. Yeah, I think I guess that's fair in terms of it's not, you know, nothing is no risk. But I don't know. I, I think that would be more risky to let him walk halfway through the season. Um, and there's always the questions about Brian Rodriguez's future. Like, I don't know. I, I like the continuity. They've made a lot of changes. Um, even though, you know, Steve Trundolo wasn't a huge change from Bob Bradley. And he was with the Las Vegas Lights slash with the first team in, in, during the weeks all of last year before this year. But I don't know. I, I think that it's maybe not a no-brainer because everything comes with risk. But particularly if, again, and more speculation, I, I want to emphasize that what I have is it's at least through 2023. And I don't know the smaller details on if there's more guaranteed years or if like a threshold, it's not, a, it's not a, a true team option. Maybe the threshold is if he starts 50% of the games or whatever, that this is automatically triggered, what have you. Um, I, I think that 18 months is, is perfect. It, it gives... Vela some security again he's 33 and I still think that he's at the top of his game he, he hasn't been like I don't think that it's fair to compare him to his 2019 season literally the best individual season in league history like he's still a best 11 MVP caliber talent in this league and your your math about all the games that he's missed and stuff you're creatively leaving out the fact that he started all seven games this season and I know mm-hmm. you pointed to he came off early in one of them, but he still started all seven games. And that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to start yeah. 34, but right, right it's, he, it's, a good, it's right all he, you want to see. Right as he needs his contract to be renewed, he's suddenly <laughs> healthy enough to start every game. Okay, Tom. All right. <laughs> as somebody who just watched the Knicks give Julius Randle um, a four-year deal a year too early for no reason and then watch him go back to all of his bad habits, I understand the worry, but I, I think that it would it'd be really, really difficult to just walk away from – Carlos Vela at this stage of his career that said, like, I, I mean, again, I guess the counter there would be, hey, what are his other options? What are his other offers? Like, one person put it to me as he's been able to sign a pre-contract agreement to leave in the summer since January 1st. So all of these reports or, or thoughts about Spain, he could have signed a contract. Why hasn't he? Why haven't there been more, more reports about teams chasing him? Like, maybe those options weren't there. Maybe that was just kind of high-level negotiating from his side, Carlos being Carlos, whatever it is. But I don't know. I, I still think that 10 times out of 10, you keep this guy, you know. Yeah. All right. 10 out of 10, Tom. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing – you're working – you've got the edit, editorial hat on. Today. Exactly. Uh, I you never take that off. I mean, Siegel's in the – Siegel's in the in – the, in the spaces. He's listening in. So, like, I have to – I have to look good because he edits all my shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a fun part I did a, I did I stepped on your turf your digital turf and did a mailbag on mlsaga.com and as I was writing it I, I I put in spaces for him to write an editor's note to make fun of me so I, I think I think he's had enough you know fun over the last few days Go oh, back, it, back to full-time I mean it, it's rule number one you got to keep the desk happy if you don't you're in trouble <laughs> uh, further MLS news Atlanta United um, sent Chief Scout Jonathan Spector on a nice vacation to Mallorca to be there while Matthew Hoppy also watched Mallorca's game. Um, Atlanta United are continuing to push to sign the U.S. International. He's 21 years old. They're looking for a permanent deal. They're trying to, you know, pr- uh, hopefully get him in if, if they can get a deal done right now. That's going to be difficult. Mallorca are in a relegation battle. Even though he's played 38 minutes since September, they uh, want all hands on deck for this uh, relegation battle. But anyway, yeah, um, Atlanta United are trying to sign Hoppy in, in terms of both Atlanta in the near term and Hoppy and his international 
near term future? What do you, what would you make of, I guess, this pursuit and this idea? I mean, I think it's worth it either way because you get to go to Mallorca for work, right? <laughs> so, like, the, that's like, and between that and, and like, I guess the na- has Nashville sent anybody to Tenerife to, to scout Shaq Moore because Shaq Moore is, <laughs> you know, he's rumored to be coming to Nashville this summer and uh, Tenerife is probably nicer than Mallorca. So, like, I, I, I think it's a it's a good gig, uh, and I admire the guys who who have uh, have weaponized it. Um, as for the fit, uh, I saw Herc Gomez actually make this point on on Twitter that like the only time we've really seen Poppy play as a center forward, uh, it, it was for that dumpster fire Schalke team that was in the process Oof. of getting relegated, um, which is like it's a fair point. Um, but I would argue that even when he was playing as a winger for the U S this summer, this past summer in the gold cup, mm-hmm. um, he played it more as like a wide forward than as a real winger, right? He's not, I don't think he's a real winger. So I, I, I think it's a, it's a good fit for an Atlanta team um, that needs some youth that needs some energy and that needs an attacker. They have to have at least one of their attackers, Tom, who is willing <laughs> to run past run the forward. defender, right? <laughs> who is willing to try to put that sort of vertical pressure on and, and find space in behind. Because if you look at the way Marcy Moreno and, and mm-hmm. Tiago Almada, who has been better than, you know, I like Almada has been pretty good, man. Like, yeah. though, but though, both those guys and Araujo as well, they all like mm. to come back to the ball. They like to they like to get on the ball, you know, take a couple of touches, and they are not doing that type of work to stretch the defense. Matthew Hoppy does that, whether he's playing on the wing or playing as a center forward. Like he is at his best off the ball, and he puts a different type of pressure on back lines that um, different from from what the guys already in house do, and that includes Joseph Martinez because yeah. even before this this latest setback. Joseph Martinez was not making those hard direct runs at or behind uh, defenses. So um, it checks a lot of box. I'm not sure he's an MLS caliber player, but like Ooh. if you're in this, no, I'm not saying he's not right. He could end up being you right. know, a guy who scores 15 goals. Um, but like we, the sample size with him is so damn small. Mm-hmm. Nobody can really claim to, to be certain about this, but like it seems a reasonable risk to me. And it seems like, the smart, like without crushing Atlanta United too badly, like they their their roster building approach over the past four years has been just to collect as many high number pieces as possible <laughs> without ever thinking about the way that they fit together. Well, this yeah. is one that fits with what they already have and can act and not just fits in, in terms of like okay, Hoppy can be play better with guys like you know, Almada and Moreno and, and Araujo behind him, but also like those guys will be better off for having a center forward like Matthew Hoppy in front of him because he runs, he, he, he runs and that puts pressure on defenses. And, and that is something that Atlanta have desperately needed. Yeah. And, and on, I guess the technical roster building salary cap side of things, they are pretty tight against everything except for this U22 initiative slot that they were able to open up by getting Eric Lopez on loan to bond, at the bond field. The, um, I think that you could do a lot worse. Uh, I don't want to go blanket and say that this is just about as good as they can do. But on this slot, you, you, you don't have to worry about factoring in the transfer fee into the salary cap. And Atlanta have always spent lavish transfer fees. So that's one way that they can get kind of maximum value on, on a salary cap play. And also, he's, he's 21 years old, so he's not a kid. He's not like an 18-year-old that come in. Like, U22 initiative has been a little hit or miss for teams in acquiring talent from abroad because often they're 18 or 19 years old and, and it's, it's not an easy thing. And, and this is this, we're, I think we're learning that, that this is not going to have a, a very, you know, 100% type of hit rate. You get somebody who, you know, American, he's had a decent amount of exposure with Schalke about a season. You know, I know that he hasn't played much for Mallorca. He's been with the national team. Again, he's at 21 years old. He's not a child. I think that this is about, as good as they can realistically hope for in terms of where they are of being budgeted out both on, you know, with allocation money and, and with DP and, and other U22 initiative slots. Yeah. I, I, I'll co-sign all of that. Like it, it all, like it all seems to line up. Um, and I, and I hope like, I hope for, you know, the kid and for Atlanta fans that, that it works out because um, man, they could use a dose of good luck 
in that market, <laughs> given everything that's happened over the past, uh, you know, four weeks with them. Yeah. Um, and one, one more with Atlanta before going to a little national team and stuff. But they are also in the market for another goalkeeper. Um, obviously, Brad Guzan is unfortunately out. for. I, I don't think that they've officially set out for the season, but he tore his Achilles. He's out for the season. Um, and he's 37 years old right now. They Before this, they had already been looking into and talking to and scouting Josh Cohen. He's an American goalkeeper who plays in Israel. Um, if you haven't heard his name, I, I don't blame you because he came from the USL Championship where he was very good there. He didn't get any looks in MLS, so he signed in Israel. And he's just been a really, really good keeper in Europe in that league. He was named the the Israeli League's Footballer of the Year last year. He helped lead uh, Maccabi Haifa to a league title. They're currently in first right now with a couple weeks left in the season. So they, they could be going back-to-back. He's played in Europa uh, – sorry, uh, Champions League qualifiers, then Europa League qualifiers, both of which were unsuccessful. So he's in the, the UEFA Conference League group stage. So this is a guy who's got European competition experience. He's a domestic American player. He's not being particularly paid like, you know, a TAM player at, in Israel. So he's not going to be wildly expensive. And his contract is up in this summer. So he's somebody who'd be available. He's somebody who that Atlanta were looking at as potentially a successor to Brad Guzan. Um, I haven't heard any updates since the injury. I'm sure that they're kind of figuring out what they best want to do if they're going to stick around with, with Bobby Shuttleworth for the season, if they're going to look to make a trade within the league to get another starter, or if they're going to try to get Josh Cohen and get Josh Cohen now. But he's a name that they were very seriously interested in. Yeah, I mean, and you can see why, right? And player of the year as a goalkeeper in any league. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's only happened once in MLS back in 2000 when Tony Miola won MVP. Um, and the fact that he's in his prime, he's a domestic player and his, his underlying numbers for, um, during his USL days, Mm -hmm. um, were really, really good. So it, it would be, if they get this done, it, it would surprise me if he was not at least an above average keeper in MLS. And when you lose when you lose a guy who's been starting for you for, for a half decade, if you could immediately sort of find a plug and play replacement like that, um, you've done some good work. Yeah. Uh, Brad goes on. One more thing is, is under contract through 2023 is he's a TAM player. I believe he was something like six or 800,000. Don't, don't quote me on that. Literally uh, last time I had, I don't remember exactly off the top of my head, the MLSPA stuff, but he's not, he, he's not inexpensive. Um, we'll see kind of what their plan is for him when, when he, you know, recovers first things first, you know, all the best for his recovery and everything, but obviously the team have to plan for the short term, medium term, and long term. Um, and again, the, their interest and and talks with Josh Cohen predate Guzan's injury. So this is a this is a long standing interest. New England were a team that were really interested in him as a potential Matt Turner replacement, but uh, that kind of faded as we got to this winter, and then talks didn't really get serious. Uh, but yeah, so he's been on some MLS teams' radars. He's somebody who wants to come back to the league. That's why his contract's expiring right now, rather than having signed um, a long term deal in Israel, which is still an option that's on the table for him if he doesn't get the right offers or opportunities here. But he's somebody that, that I think would be a, a smart play for an MLS team, again, in terms of cost efficiency. You don't have acquisition costs. I can't imagine that his contract asks are wildly you know, out of proportion. So that's definitely one to watch for the summer for Atlanta or any other team that need a goalkeeper. Um, and sticking with Americans and MLS, um, Georgia Mihailovic is at the top of the list for guys who – could break into the national team who kind of weren't within the picture or weren't within the qualifying picture. Uh, Doyle, I'll let you kind of wax lyrically on, on Jordy. Uh, like we talk about players making a leap all the time. And there are a lot of good play, like good young players who go from, you know, prospect to like good MLS player. And then you can go from like good MLS player to all-star. And I think that's what Georgie did last year. Mm-hmm. Going from, mm-hmm. I voted him best XI for the record. I just want to point that out. XI, okay. Um, going from <laughs> All Star or best XI to um, to MVP, right? And and he's like, we're we're twenty percent of the way into the season, so it's like it's very early. But like he's he's playing like an MVP. He's doing MVP stuff in terms of like. Every single week, yeah. he's going out there and playing at the same high level. He's producing goals and assists. He is um, not just the most dangerous player for this Montreal team, but he's also, in a lot of ways, the tone setter. He and Victor Wanyama. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wanyama has been fantastic this year. Um, and like this is 
this is the type of progression that you hope to see from a young player. And, and he's still pretty young. You know, he's still just 23 years old. Um, and it's, and it's all kind of happened. And now it, you know, it, it's at the point where like, okay, the, the nation's league roster is coming in probably three weeks, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. Like, and if he keeps playing like this, he's got to be on it. Right. I, I'd be absolutely shocked if he wasn't like, from what people have, Michele Giannone had from TDN has said that the coaching staff really liked him in, in January and that he was probably the standout performer of the, of the, uh, the January camp or December camp, whatever exact month it was. This was before or after he went to Bologna for a training stint. Uh, my, my timeline is a little hazy, but you've got to get the point that he's not an unknown commodity. And I, under, I, I still would have liked to have seen him with the group uh, over the final window of World Cup qualifying. Yep. But I completely understand why he wasn't. That's the last three games qualified for the World Cup. You've got guys who have mostly been there for – you know, 11 games previously, or, you know, give or take a window or two for injuries. So I understand why you wouldn't blood in a, a new player, a new midfielder into that, into that window. But yes, yeah, so I think that not only do I expect him to be on this nation's league team, I, I expect them to, to be playing. I expect them to, Hey, like, here's your chance at breaking into the team or breaking into maybe even the rotation. Like I'm, I'm kind of torn between what the biggest goals are for the national team. in, in the, in this window, do you try to get, more reps for your you know best 11 or do you try to say hey like roster spots numbers you know 19 to 25 are up for grabs or whatever you want to call it yeah like, like I mean, let's let, let's have an audition yeah that's it's that's a really good question and Berhalter has already said like we're calling the first team we're calling mm-hmm. the, the main guys in so you know hopefully that means Weston McKenney will be back uh, you know for this camp he, he's said I think he's expected to be good to go by you know mm-hmm. the end of this month um I don't think it means Gio Reyna Right. And, and if Gio Reyna's not able to go, then like you, if you want to go down to like the, the next, you know, the next best or most informed winger in the pool, it's, it's either Georgie or Christian Roldan. And both of those guys can play, yeah. you know, on the wing and as a number eight in theory, though I like both of them more um, as, as a winger in Burhalter system. Um, so it's like, there is a chance here that Burhalter can do both, that he can use these games and it's what two nations league games and um, two friendlies that he can use these games to both blood in new players who could compete for, you know, 18 to 26 on the depth chart and get reps for the main guys. So, I mean, and, and, but either way, like at some point club form has to matter to where, yeah, where Georgie is like, you just have to call him. Like, when, when a player yeah. is playing this well, you have to call him. And I think that there, it, it's not just directly club for him. Like, it's also somebody who's been in a couple camps or a camp, yeah. or whatever it is. So there is a little bit of a precedence. There is a little familiarity. Like, again, I understand why he wasn't there in the March window, but it, this isn't just calling somebody out cold. Like, I will probably talk about Brandon Vasquez. Or he hasn't been involved. Like, if you're scoring goals, you might get a chance. But this one is even a more special case. One that Mihailovic again performing at an MVP level, and two has been around camps. He was. I know that they weren't playing the exact same, but he was with the uh, Olympic qualifying a year and a half ago, or however long ago that was. So you know he has been around the system. Yeah. Yep. Um, Vasquez, you mentioned him scoring goals and like doing the underlying stuff that is repeatable, like getting into good spots to score goals. You could see it in his expected goals. I think he's second or third in the league behind Jesus Ferreira, who's definitely going to be there, and, and Chicharito. Um, so, like, he's a guy who could be in there. I mean, if Jeremy Bobasi keeps scoring goals, right. he could play his way in. Like, we, Ferreira's, like I said, Ferreira's obviously going to be there, but we're, we're still feeling like this is – uh, 2010 all over again, where it's like anybody who gets hot in the final six months before the World Cup can end up being on the roster of the number nine. Yeah, and why not? Like that's that's how it should be. Uh, like it's it's it it does show that there is an issue in terms of form and and top end talent at that position. But this we shouldn't they they shouldn't just be okay these three guys and regardless of how good or bad they play just because again nobody's really separated themselves. Ferreira seems the closest thing to a lock right now. I'd assume Pepe is, but. Again, we'll see kind of what happens. And, and as you brought up 2010, that's all, what a lot of people are drawing conclusions to, uh, comparisons to. Like, that makes a lot of sense. Edson Buttle and, and Hurt Gomez got to the World Cup. And, and that's – if you get hot at the right time of your career at, at, at the, with the right contacts, with the right opportunities, like, again, I don't see why not if, if Brandon Vasquez is playing like this. If Brian White does what he did 
at the end of last season, you know, if, if they if they do it early enough in which they can be called up for friendlies and, and maybe called into a camp and, hey, here's your chance, then, then that's great. So that, that, that the center forward and left back is another position I'm looking forward, uh, looking for in terms of, I guess, MLS possibilities. Um, obviously for left back, because it's behind, kind of behind Anthony Robinson, it feels really wide open. Uh, Dewan Jones is somebody that yeah, will probably with, with George Mihaljevic get a chance with the nation's league. He's in, mm-hmm. he's in that same group of, I'd be shocked if he's not there. I'd be, I guess, I don't know if I'd be surprised if Brandon Vasquez is, but I, I feel like Dewan Jones is closer and more realistic to the roster. For sure. Um, and, and probably, and we'll, we'll stick with Jones, but I just want to, give a shout that this might be a little bit too far down the depth chart, but John Tolkien should be somewhere within Stop that. Stop like, it. John Gomez. Stop you it. Think that you, he's been a starting left back in, in a, a, a strong system for two years now. What do you mean? Oh, God. He's New behind Jersey Juan kids. Jones is what I'm saying. <laughs> you New Jersey kids stick together. Uh, no, I, I actually like Tolkien, and I think any other era he would be a shoo-in. But, like, if you're going to take a, a shot on a, on a teenager – for this camp, right. I, I think Paredes and and, and Scali. Uh, Paredes is Tolkien might not be. Tolkien's an O two, so, so. He, he might he might have just turned twenty. But Paredes and Scali are the are the two who I think yeah. could are, are more likely to figure in this camp than than Tolkien. And like to, yeah, to and your point to your point about Jones, like Paredes and, and Scali have both been in camps over the past six months yeah. as well. I I guess Scali didn't perform particularly well when he was in camp Paredes reportedly did back in in uh December he was uh, by all accounts he was awesome until he got hurt so one, I just wish one thing sorry one thing one thing with Paredes is when he made that move to Wolfsburg uh like everybody was assuming that this was a long-term thing and I think a lot of the reporting that came out was that you know hey like lower your expectations in terms of him starting whatever week one or you know, this is a developmental play. We we believe in his potential and everything. I was I was told um, at some point, at like towards the end of February, that he got there and immediately was mad, like disappointed that he wasn't starting, and, and not in like a, I'm sulking way, but as in like I believe in myself. Every time I step on the field, I think I'm the best player. Every time I step in training, I think I'm the best player. Yeah. So I love that mentality, and, and I just think that it, that it's funny that that I think that that's what I think he would show up to a national team camp. He wouldn't be kind of overshadowed. I think that he'd be like, yeah, I, I could be the starting left back. Yeah, I mean that whole generation of kids it, like yeah. seems to have that attitude in grand. Yeah, like that edge. Say, you know, like like it, Rain Giorena obviously has that in spades. Um, but like Scally is the same way. Pepe is the same way. Mm-hmm. Peretta, like it, it's just it. You know, they, they were raised without fear, um, which is dope because I, I think in, yeah. in years past and generations past, we've seen guys who maybe are a little too willing to wait their turn. And um, you don't get that vibe from from this uh, from this group. The, the, the other name we should mention uh, Paxton Pomegal. He's starting every week for making fun uh, of me about John Tolkien. And, and then you come back to Paxton Pomegal. Well, I want to I want to. I want to shout out uh, my guy Sanjay uh, Sijanta Kumar. He writes for uh, Striker Texas, uh, and he he had a, a good little piece um, after this weekend's game in in uh, in Harrison when Dallas came up to play uh, the Red Bulls, and uh, he he straight up asked Pomacall like what he thinks of his chances as you know to to get into the national team and Pomegal said no I'm not really thinking about that at the moment to be frank I don't think I've done enough to deserve a look yet I need to play better I need to be on the score sheet I need to have assists I need to impact games help the team more and then at that point then maybe start thinking about it Um, which is like you know it's a good and you know it's it's a a veteran's response I think yep Um, and the thing so two things to understand here there's still a question mark over who the fourth number eight is, right? Like we know McKenny, Musa, De La Torre, yeah. if they're healthy, they're out. But we don't like, is it, I, I, I don't feel it with Gianluca Busio, even though Burhalter really rates him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Roldan, like again, I see him as a winger. I don't really see him as a number eight. It's the same thing with Georgie. Uh, Sebastian Legette has played his way out of the team, which is you like see, you okay. see Georgie on the wing still here. I, I, I still would like him in one of those free eight roles. He's not as he's still not as good defensively or on the half turn. True, um, and he needs to win the ball. Right, the the eights in, in Burhalter system, they're not creators; they're ball winners and they're, and they're ball progressors. And like Georgie can do that, but he's at his best when he's working in the yeah. half spaces in kind of the way that Pulisic always tries to work. So I, I like. The the question with Pomacall is, okay, he has a really high floor because he wins the ball, uh, he progresses the ball, he does not lose possession, and he draws fouls. 
can he bring enough high ceiling moments where he has mm. the type of, of midfield touches that can unleash these wingers or these half space merchants? Um, and he's right. He hasn't shown enough yet. Um, but it, it's, it's a little worrying that I don't think anybody else in the number eight yeah. pool has really shown enough either. And it's to the point where like Kellen Acosta is the second six after Tyler Adams and he's the fourth eight. <laughs> and it's like, Okay, <laughs> it's no. It's good to have that versatility, but like it's it's a little worrying too, um, mm. it, because like it, like none of these none of these young guys or fringe guys have taken the type of leap that we need to that that I think Burhalter probably needs to see. I think just to slightly pivot off this thing with the national team and and some, maybe some of the fringe guys and, and whatever, and maybe we'll, we'll close after this, but. I was thinking as we get to the summer here, like with somebody like Matthew Hoppy going back to last year, if he had this move to Mallorca last year, there's 0% chance he gets into the national team around the World Cup. So I'm thinking that about some of these guys. Georgie Mihailovic has to have options. There has to be teams that, that have seen enough from him now and, and want to bring him to Europe. There's, um, you know, Luca Della Torre. He's, he's got to have, given what his performance has been in the national team, you hope that he's outgrown colleagues I hope I'm not pronouncing that wrong but, and you know a, a mid-table slash lower Dutch team and he should be hopefully ready for a, a move up. what I've heard is Lucio, what I've heard is Utrecht nice Utrecht. okay that'd be a yeah, step up they're they're a, like they're top six Dutch team which would be a step up yeah. it's still it's not yeah, yeah it's still not still not great I, I'm hoping that you know at some he, at some point he does something that Feyenoord or PSV take a look but anyway continue yeah and then there's Busio, which their Venezia looks like a sinking ship. It's been a story that we're not not a lot of us are talking about because it was the a darling team, you know, Venezia America, all that. They've won one time in their last 19 games. There's six points from safety. They still have to play Juventus, Atalanta, and Roma in their last six games. They still have a couple of teams in the relegation fight that they are playing. But I think right now it's it's much more likely than not that they go down. And if you're Gianluca Busio, you will have options in Italy and elsewhere because when he was signed again a year ago. There were Club Bruges. There was um, a bunch of Italian teams. There's some others. I'm trying to think of it's on my head. And um, I don't know this for certain. I don't know what it is. But it's kind of been conveyed to me that he's not going to be locked into Serie B if he doesn't want to be there or if, you know, they don't Stop. think he should be there. Like, I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if there's necessarily a relegation release clause. But it sounded to me like if there was a way to get out, it wouldn't be difficult. And they wouldn't have to fight tooth and nail to do it. So. Again, all these things, like, like what what would you be worried about? What, what would you be, in terms of advice for, I guess, Busio Mihailovic, Delatorian, in terms of these are moves that could help your national team career, help your club? I mean, you just have to make sure that where you're going is a place where you can play. I, I frankly am disbelieving about that Venezia Busio said. Like, he is a record signing. If they're going down to, to Serie B, they're counting on him to play a big part in, in bringing him, bringing them back up. I will be right. shocked. I really? will be shocked. Yeah. I mean, they would take such a bath. If, if, if they sign him for what? They, nine million, one year? Six, six, six and a half, and with incentives to ten and a half. Okay. Like, Venezia is not a, the type of team yeah. that, can, that can just like, okay, well, didn't work out. Like, this isn't Man City money here, man. Um, yeah. So I, I would... And like, look, I, I would be, I would be fine with Gianluca Busio spending a year in Serie B and running a midfield. Like he he needs those reps, and, and he would he would get them. Um, yeah. With, with, with Della Torre, like if you're going to Utrecht or AZ, um, you know FC Twenty, like those, not the big three Dutch mm. teams, but that next group next. of three. <laughs> um, make sure make sure you know who the manager is. Make sure you know what the <laughs> I'm serious. Like, make sure you know what the plan is for for how much you're going to play and where you're going to yeah. play. Uh, make sure that you're a priority signing for them, um, and that would be the same for Georgie wherever he goes. The the obvious thing with me for me with Georgie is like Bologna, like do a yeah. deal like Joey well, do a do a deal with Bologna. And I mean, if, if they wanted him in January, they, they would have signed him. That's fair, um, but also like maybe he's making them rethink. True. And then you, you know, you do the deal, and you do like the Tyler Adams style deal, where it's like, okay, he's going to spend the last half of his MLS season, you know, in Montreal on loan before going to point. the European sister club. Yeah, I think that would make a lot of sense too. And and again, I'm I'm surprised that at what 
you know, the, the reporting that kind of came out from his stint with Bologna that, you know, it was more training than trial, but obviously these things are all fluid, but it, it was something that I think it was conveyed to me or, or someone else that it was like at the end of January, if, if there's a bunch of injuries and, and we miss out on targets, then maybe we'll sign Georgie. So it was like weird to me just considering the year he had the familiarity with, you know, the two clubs and with the same ownership and, and I, they have some roles. It's not quite the same global conglomerate as, as Red Bull or, <laughs> or City Football Group, but there are overlap and they're, they're, they are trying to work towards more synergy. And that isn't just for guys like Orgia Cuanco and, and Lassie Lapalainen coming over for loans and, and now permanent for Lapalainen's case and Louis Binks going there. But I don't know. I, it, it just struck me as surprising. Just maybe it's, it's easy to say that as, as somebody who watches so much MLS and, and not nearly as much Serie A, obviously, but it just felt like that that was an obvious spot for Georgie and, and it didn't seem like it was realistic in January. Yeah. We can move Any on. Other, I was going to add anybody else. In, uh, Eric Palmer Brown might be another one. He's with Twa. They're in a relegation fight. Uh, who knows? But again, that's deeper into the fringes in terms of, of the is roster. This, is this his last year on contract with Man City? Because Twa is now owned by Man City. Uh, yeah, I thought that he signed a new deal. I thought that he signed as a free agent for Twa. He almost joined Benici, by the way. That deal was was just about done. It was um, it was it was a uh, complication late in the matters that that or he he was ready to go to Venezia. It would have been another Venezia American. Oh my goodness! Mm. All right. <laughs> uh, you got anything else? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think I have anything else. With it. Like none of the none of the MLS based center backs are really putting their 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 hat in the ring unless. Your part. If if Anders was listening, I would I would be contractually obliged to to mention Jackson <laughs> Reagan. Um, right. But uh, I, I don't I don't think there's much more on the MLS to uh, to U.S. national team conveyor belt at this mm-hmm. point, other than finding that fourth eight, Georgie playing his way in, and like which striker is going to do it. Yeah, yeah, kind of co-sign all that. Um, I think that'll do it for me. Unless you've got any other burning topics you want to talk about. Uh. I just want to ask you this. I'm going to put you on the spot. Um, does does San Jose get better? And by how much? Immediately, yes. They get they get better immediately when you stop playing a three six one and you just like <laughs> we, I know we've talked about this and, and like, I think that's part of my the, why I've soured so much on on the Matias Almeida uh, experience as a whole. I know that me and you talked about this recently. And like, yeah, I do need to remember some of the fonder memories. And, and again, it was a, a big swing, but this, this for four years, this wasn't a playoff team. They made the playoffs one year with a negative 20 goal difference, but the conference, they finished eighth and they expanded the playoffs. So they, they made it as an expanded playoff team over four years in normal circumstances. They weren't a playoff team. And it just, it, it, how often are you just going to continue playing the, the same style that isn't working? It's broken. And you're going to keep on trying it out and making you know, more and more weird decisions. Um, I think that, there's going to be a baseline of improvement just by playing a four-two-three-one with with this group, and you could uh, you could go out there with no tactics. You could go out there with the most basic. These are your positions. Just try to play cohesively with no further instructions other than that. There's going to be improvement, is what I think. So, do you think this is going to end up being a playoff team? No, not 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 that far. Let's let's. I wouldn't I wouldn't swing to that extreme, particularly with you started off seven games without winning any. Um, the Colorado mm-hmm. Rapids were really good that year that they started winless in eleven after for pretty much the day that Anthony Hudson was gone and they didn't make the playoffs. Like, I, I think that that might be a step too far. And, and I do think that like that playoff race at towards the bottom of the West is going to be pretty good. Austin, see how they do. Dallas seems legit. I think that those were a couple teams that were on the fringes of the playoff races, the playoff race in preseason that I think are better than people uh, expected or, you know, maybe not hoped or whatever the phrasing would be. But yeah, those are two teams that look good early. And I think that they're already in too big of a hole to, you know, again, expect them to be even in a playoff race, let alone make the playoffs. All right, so all right, I I think I agree with that. Uh, one last question, and then we'll wrap. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets are playing the Boston Celtics tonight. <laughs> this has to be your own personal hell. Like, who it's legitimately? Tough, who are you rooting for in this series? It sucks that you are so annoying because the Boston Celtics are pretty likable. Like the like this team, like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. That it is good fun. And Marcus Smart is Marcus Smart, but like then the excellence of Durant. So the, the Nets got much more likable when um, James Harden left. We'll see if that holds if if uh, Ben Simmons returns. I think my personal crusade, and, and I've made too many jokes over the past weeks to, you know, I'm all, all the way out on James Harden. So if James Harden helps lead Philly somewhere, I think that's my worst case. No, that's my nightmare. Wow. A lot of bitterness for James Harden. Okay. 
Dynamo fans in the chat will be taking note, I'm sure. <laughs> do you think that he can name two players on the team? I do. I, I absolutely do. I think you, James is a big, uh, big Dynamo guy. Uh, Matt Doyle, the eternal optimist, as we all know. Exactly. Uh, it was good catching up with you, Tom. Good spaces. Thanks, on that. Thanks for right. doing this. Talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 